What words may all my days bring glory to Your name? What better prayer for us as we open the Word of God together this morning? I'll ask you, if you will, take your Bibles with me and turn in them to our study of the small but powerful book of Job or Jude. The last couple of weeks, I can't find the right words, can I? I want us this morning to return to the final section of Jude's exhortation to us. And really, so that we might be equipped fully with a strategy for victory in the midst of ongoing apostasy. I don't think there's been a greater time in the history of our world where you and I are more acutely aware of the potential for danger lurking around us every day. And just in our lifetime, we certainly have heard of wars. In fact, our nation has been involved in some way in either limited and significant ways in these wars. Some of us have and are actually currently watching our own family members participate in some kind of way in these wars, all with the intent, of course, on keeping us safe and destroying what is evil. In the last 20 years, we have seen the rise of terrorism around the globe particularly in our own country, and while our own nation desires to champion the free movement and expression of you and I as its people, the very notion of genuine freedom makes it rather increasingly more difficult to keep those who desire destruction away from our very nation. We want those who love this country to come and be a contributing part of our country, while at the same time we desire to protect the very ones who are citizens of this country. Freedom of movement therefore decries any kind of method that might profile certain individuals and their behavior because inevitably, when you do that, some who are not dangerous get swept up in the practice. And so what happens? Fear becomes the dominating driver for any action. Fear of everything, fear of anything, fear of nothing. And fear is only heightened about the danger of some kind of terrorist activity when it is close to home in our own Land, and so now we have domestic terrorism. People who belong to this country and yet are bent on destroying it from the inside. You're probably wondering, what in the world is he talking about? And why is he talking about all of this? Why do I mention all of that? Not because... I'm here this morning standing before you and trying to run for some political office and making some kind of political statement. I can assure you that is not the case. I simply am saying that 
to say that just as there is a continuing danger in our own world and country with those kinds of dangers, so too the danger is real and ever-present within the world of evangelicalism. Not necessarily in a physical way, but certainly and most definitely in a spiritual way. Just like the nation should be trying to stop any kind of destroyer from entering in, so too we, you and I, the church, the local body of Jesus Christ, we are being exhorted by Jude here in his little letter to involve ourselves in the battle to stop spiritual destroyers from coming into church. Just like our own nation the desire to be unconfrontational with others who potentially may be destroyers, to be unconfrontational with them about the danger, that doesn't help the danger at all. Why? Because spiritual terrorists are already here. To be unconfrontational doesn't do anything. They're already here. They're already within evangelicalism, and they're desiring to destroy the church. And sadly, it seems, for a whole host of pragmatic reasons, those within evangelicalism who have a voice aren't really doing anything to expose them. These spiritual destroyers seem to operate freely, in a fully engaged, gullible, and tolerant church environment. And God gave us the book of Jude to wake us up. Wake up. Wake up to the reality of the presence of danger in and among the church. Remember what Jude said to us in verse 3? I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, but there is a greater necessity, there is a greater need, there is a more urgent reality at hand, and that is to write to you appealing that you engage yourself in the war against those who are bent on destroying the truth of God and the church. That you contend earnestly, he says, for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Why? Why? Because, verse 4, certain persons have crept in unnoticed. It's ironic. In other words, just like in our own country, just like in the nation in which we live, we have inside the church spiritual defectors. And just like domestic terrorists, they have infiltrated everywhere. Like Jude says in verse 12, they are, they are like hidden reefs in your love feasts. We remember that simply is to say they operate in secret. They operate in secret. They are a danger under the surface. They work in secret and they work in hidden ways, but you always notice their destruction once it happens. And so this morning, beloved, the Holy Spirit through Jude is calling us to get involved in spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare, not 
because it's physical enemies we are fighting against in that sense. But it's like Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6, we are fighting against ideologies. We are fighting against spiritual enemies that are outside. Spiritual enemies. And so in order to help us do that, Jude has profiled for us what these false teachers, what these apostates, what these spiritual destroyers look like. He has done a profiling we don't maybe like that term in our, in our political environment of the day. We don't like profiling. Profiling sweeps up in the rug some who should not be profiled. And yet Jude profiles the false teacher here. He has told us throughout this letter that they can be recognized by both their words and their deeds. What they say and what they do. They are lustful. They are immoral, they are lawless, they are insubordinate, they are defiled, they are rebellious, they are greedy, materialistic, self-centered, shameless grumblers. They are proud and completely void of the Spirit. Because of that, they have destructive lives. And that is bad enough that their lives would be destructive, not only for themselves, but all of those whom they influence. But their theology is destructive also. Jude says they deny the Lord. They deny the Lord. In other words, they they feign an honor for Christ. They appear as if they honor Christ. They talk about Jesus, but in reality, they are actually denying Him. So Jude is profiling them, and he is saying to us, look, look at what they say, look at their theology, and look at their character. Look at what they say, look at their theology, and look at their character. In other words, we have no excuse as a body, as a Christian, we have no excuse to be vulnerable and gullible. No excuse. It's clear how to spot them. And therefore, you and I as Christians cannot be accepting of anything that sounds good. We must be discerning. We must be discriminating so that we aren't allowing spiritual terrorists to come in and be destructive in the church. And therefore, you remember in verses 5 through 16, Jude has already told us just who these people are. And he has shown us the inevitable outcome for them before God. Their day of destruction is coming down the road. God will judge them. And then we came to verse 17, and Jude changes his whole course, if you will. The tone completely changes in his discourse. And he changes from profiling the destroyers to our proper response to it. What is our response? In other words, this is our survival guide. This is our survival guide in the midst of spiritual apostasy in the church. Now, last Lord's Day, we learned that Jude gives us three directives. Three directives to help us survive the kind of onslaught of spiritual domestic terrorism that's happening 
in the church that has gone on since even the first century church, as we saw in Acts chapter 20, when Paul said, after I gone, even from among your own, some will rise up. So he gives us these three directives. And the first was awareness, awareness, verses 17 and 18. But you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ that they were saying to you, in the last time there shall be mockers following after their own ungodly lusts. In other words, be aware. Be aware, remember that the apostles said that they would come. So Jude is saying to us, listen, you can defend against this knowing, first of all, having this in your mind that you have been pre-warned about it. There has been a pre-warning for you, and so you can defend against it. And this is one of the dangers for secret destroyers. They operate in secret, and they catch, therefore, the unsuspecting. If you're suspecting something, you're not going to get caught. In other words, those who are unaware get caught. They get caught off guard when it happens. Why? Because they were unaware of it. They were unsuspecting of it. Now, a few months ago, we were studying 2 Peter, the precursor to our study of Jude. And Jude is quoting here from Peter's words in chapter 3 of 2 Peter. When, when he says that the apostles of our Lord Jesus, they were saying to you, and then you have those quote marks in verse 18. That's a quote from 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 3, where Peter said, Know this first of all, that in the last days mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts. What are they mocking? What are they mocking? They are mocking, in 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter's talking about the resurrection. They are mocking the validity of the resurrection. They are skeptical and sneering at the reality of the resurrection. They are saying, listen, it's been a long time since Jesus Christ left. It's been a long time. A lot has gone on. I mean, obviously he's not coming back. Him not returning is just an implication to say he never did rise from the dead. And so they begin to redefine the truth of God. They redefine the truth concerning the resurrection or any other doctrine according to their own desires. Second Peter, they looked at the passing of time and through their own eyes and through their own human wisdom, they determined by their own worldly ideas that Christ wasn't coming, therefore he must never have risen. But we must remember God is not like us. God is not like us. God does not think like us. He does not operate like us. He is not like us. And so Peter is another example among the apostles that warned of this kind of thing happening in our time. Peter is simply saying, listen, don't be surprised at this. Jude is saying, listen, brothers and sisters, this is part of your contention. This is part of how you contend for the faith. You know that this kind of thing happens. Don't begin to wonder where God is or where He still, or wondering if he's still in control of all things when you think about what's going on. Nothing is happening that you have not been forewarned about. 
In fact, not only should you not be surprised when you see it, when it's discovered, when you hear of it, but you should anticipate the reality of it and be prepared for it. If you've been told by an absolutely reliable source to expect it, then you better be looking out for it. You better be looking out for it with a discerning eye as you think about things, as you read things, as you hear things, as you listen to things, so that you can expose it before it brings destruction. That's the idea. That's the first thing that Jude says here. Be aware. Be aware that you have been warned. Expect apostates. Expect it. Expect it to expect them to entrench themselves in Christian organizations. Expect them to entrench themselves in Christian ministries. Expect them to entrench themselves in Christian publishing companies. Expect them to entrench themselves in what is so-called Christian media outlets. Expect apostasy in anything that is working to advance in a real way the kingdom of Jesus Christ. They will infiltrate that. They will profess to know Christ. They will proclaim to be followers of Christ. And yet many will even be well educated. They will come from Christian colleges and even Christian seminaries. But they are actually wolves in sheep's clothing. That's how pervasive it is. That's how dangerous it is. And so Jude says, expect it. Expect it. Be aware. This isn't news. This isn't strange. Don't let your jaw hit the floor wondering, I can't believe that's happening. It's happening. It's a sign of the time. But then Jude said, secondly, cultivate continuously your own spiritual maturity. You want to protect yourself against apostasy? Then continue to cultivate your own spiritual maturity on a regular basis. Verse 20 and 21 He said, but you, beloved, building up yourselves on the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. That is simply to say, Jude is simply saying to us to stay faithful to the faith that you have been called to defend. Stay faithful to the faith that you have been called to defend. In other words, don't equivocate on what you know to be true from the Word of God. What you know to be true, what you know is rightly divided, what you know to be true of the Word of God, stand with conviction on that and don't equivocate on that regardless of who's with you or who's not with you. Stand on the conviction. Now how are we effectively going to do that? How are we going to effectively stand on that conviction that we believe, that we know to be true? Well, Jude tells us, he says, build yourself up on the most holy faith. And we learned last time, let's say, he's just simply saying, listen, saturate yourself in the Word of God. Continually be saturating yourself in the Word of God. The sound doctrine that is revealed in Scripture saturate yourself in that continually growing in your your love for it your desire for it you're in it all the time you say well how am I going to do that being spiritually disciplined to read being spiritually disciplined to listen to study to do it personally you say well Man, I'm not very good at that. That's okay. 
None of us are very good at it. We'll be very good one day when we see Jesus as He is. But right now, we're to discipline ourselves for that. In fact, here's how Peter says it in Second or First Peter chapter two: "Like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the Word, that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you've tasted the kindness of the Lord." So first, be biblically saturated. But Jude says, keep yourself in the love, in this, in this faith, this truth of God. Build yourself up on the most holy faith. And secondly, pray in the Holy Spirit. In other words, be praying for what God desires. Be praying for what God desires. In other words, align your desires with His desires. Be in complete dependence upon God. Be in complete dependence upon God. And then thirdly, he says, keep yourselves in the love of God. We saw last time, that simply is saying, be obedient. Be obedient. God gives grace to the humble, the Bible tells us, but He's opposed to the proud. The proud think they don't need to do what God says. The proud go, yeah, well, that's good, but I'm not going to do it. They hear and they don't do and yet, we know that a loving Father pours out His grace upon His obedient children. And so Jude says, keep yourself in the flow of, that God's lo- of God's loving grace. That's what he's saying. Keep yourself in the flow. It sounds like John 15. I am the vine, you're the branches. Remain in me. All right, how? By walking in obedience. We're not talking about sustaining your salvation. We're not talking about you keeping yourself saved. You don't do that. That's God who does that. God saved you by faith in Jesus Christ. He keeps you saved by His power. He has equipped you to walk in obedience, and therefore we walk in obedience. You say, but man, I fail a lot. I, I, I seem to, to wake up from, from just doing something spiritual, and the next moment I'm doing something sinful. I desire to obey. I, I, I give seemingly so easily into sin. How can I continue? Maybe I'm, maybe I'm not saved. Jude can, I, think, I think Jude can resonate with that. You know why? Because he's just like us. He's, he's human. He's not some super spiritual human who, who, who's never sinned. No, he's just saying, look it, this is why you need to continually waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. Verse 21. Every day we need mercy. There's not a moment that goes by that I don't need the mercy of Christ, the mercy of God through His Son, Jesus Christ, poured out upon me. And we're to be characterized with disciplines, to study the Word of God, to commune with God in prayer, to obey the Word and command, and to live, therefore, then in hope of anxious, anxiously waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ when all of it will be turned into immortality. And all this mortal sinful garbage will be gone. And all of this is going to guard us. All of this is going to keep us from being tripped up by the slick lies of the apostate. The liar. The one who redefines something in the truth. And then finally, as we 
want to get to today is this final directive. The final directive here in verse 22 and 23. Jude exhorts us to act savingly toward those who have already been affected by apostasy. To act savingly. In other words, be compassionate to those who have been spiritually tripped up by it already. This is so important for us. This is Jude telling us not to go away from the battle, but to get in the battle. This is Jude telling us, don't be non-confrontational. In fact, be confrontational. This is Jude saying to us that we ourselves must engage in a rescue mission. In a rescue mission. In other words, when it comes to error in the church, when it comes to error within evangelicalism at large, error in books and error in denominations and error brought about by any number of false teachers, we need to engage it. Why? So that we care for the victims of apostasy. And you notice that Jude like he has through this whole thing, lists three kinds of individuals. Three kinds of individuals who have been affected by this. He lists them, notice verse 22, have mercy on some who are doubting. So you have the doubters. Verse 23, save others, snatching them out of the fire. In other words, those are the ones who are caught already. They're in the fire And then he says at the end of verse 23, and on some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. These are the perpetrators of it. Those aren't just caught, but they're perpetrating it themselves. We have to have mercy for some. We have to rescue others. And we have to have mercy with fear for others. For the last group. Now, the assumption here in the mind of Jude is that we are already fully on board in our lives with the first two directives that he has already given. In other words, we're already fully aware, right? We're fully aware of these things, and we are now cultivating in our life this spiritual maturity so that we're ready for the battle. So we're on board with that. We are keenly aware of the existence of apostasy. We aren't blindly going through things. We don't open a book and just blindly read as if everything is right. We don't blindly listen to anybody assuming that everything is there. We're, We're continuously keenly aware of the existence of apostasy. And you're striving in your own personal life to do everything you can to cultivate spiritual maturity for yourself. And because of that, Because of those two things, when you notice a person in one of these conditions, one of these three conditions we just listed, you can help. You can help. You can be part of the rescue team. And I think that's helpful for us because sometimes we get the idea as Christians, particularly as as just an person who comes to a church and maybe you're, you're involved in some ways, but you're really not all that engaged. And when you, you see someone following after an untruth, doesn't matter how big or how small that untruth might be, sometimes what happens, we distance ourselves from them. 
We move away from them rather than move toward them. And Jude is saying to the mature Christian, don't do that. Don't move away from them. Don't don't distance yourself from them, but rather move closer to them. You are to be an instrument to help them. Notice, first then, Jude says, have mercy on some who are doubting. So this is the first group. This is the people that there's a lookout for. They are the doubting group. I don't know what translation of the Bible you're using, but some of your translations might use the word confused. It might use the word wavering. Well, those are all good words. But, but really, the idea is somebody who's doubting. This isn't somebody who's openly against the truth. They're not openly preaching or teaching or talking against the truth. But it's someone who has this, this doubt, this inner doubt and question about certain doctrine. Maybe they're just, they're just wondering about it. They're doubting with it. And Jude says, look, don't, don't just push them away. Don't get away from them. Show kindness to them. Show kindness to them. That's what mercy means. It's a kindness, but we, we, that, that word can be kind of nebulous. We use, be kind, we used to say to our kids, be kind to your brother. And, and they'd, we'd ask them, how are you supposed to treat one another? And they'd say, kindly. we say, okay, what does that look like? And we ask that question here, we're, we're to be kind to these kinds of people. What's that look like? Well, he, the idea here is give them the right truth. That's the kindness Speak truth to them in love. Share with them what the Bible says truthfully about that doctrine. Show them kindness. You don't want to push them away. You don't want to push away a confused person in the church. Somebody's confused about it. You don't want to say, oh, you're away from me. You don't believe like I do. Get away from me. You don't want to do that. You want to show mercy to them. In other words, in spite of the, in spite of the threat to the church, every everyone in a condition can be a threat to the church. But in spite of that threat, we have an obligation as mature and informed believers to have compassion on them, to feel compassion for them, to have sympathy for them, to have a concern for them because they're doubting the truth. Because there's an area in their heart and mind where they're doubting what the truth is saying. And that's why the word confused is a good word, because that's basically what doubting means. They're, they're confused. They're confused about it. False teachers, listen, false teachers always prey on the confused. Those who are doubting, those who are waffling, those who are going every wind of doctrines to and fro like the wind. Those who are spiritually weak, they always prey on those. They go after those who are most vulnerable. Those that are immature. You say, well, I don't know if I'm immature. Well, maybe you were caused to doubt by some book you read. You read some book by some name, some, some highlighted name that somebody gave you and said, oh, it's a really good book. And you read it and it begins to, to challenge things that you were always taught. You go, wait a minute, is that right? I, I, I don't know. And then, and then that person's pretty heavy upon you. And so you, you wonder and somebody else who's mature in the faith comes along and says, wait a minute, hold up. That, that, that's just not right. 
So maybe it's some book that you read. Maybe, maybe you heard something through the radio or on a podcast and social media. Maybe you were watching so-called Christian television. Maybe you had someone drop by your house, knock on the door and say, hey, we're from the Jehovah's Witnesses. They filled your hand with all kinds of pamphlets and your mind, you read them and your mind's filled with all this false doctrine. You begin to doubt. You're confused. And you're confused for a whole lot of reasons. You're not anti-gospel. You're not anti-Bible. You're not even anti-faith in Jesus Christ alone. But you're confused. You're doubting. You're not sure what the truth is. And in our world today, beloved, that is prevalent everywhere. In fact, that's part of the part of the definition of this new foolish movement in our world today. There is no truth. I decide what is truth. I was telling some of the men this morning, it is a desire for absolute autonomy, personal autonomy without any sense for responsibility or consequence. And those who are mature are to come alongside them and with a heart of mercy bring truth to them so that they will no longer doubt. On some, he says, have mercy on those who are doubting. Instead of getting away from people like that, or to compassionately engage with them, help them with the truth. That's the first group, the doubting. Notice, secondly, are the people that need a little bit more forceful engagement. A little bit more forceful engagement. Save others, snatching them out of the fire. Now it's interesting, Jude didn't go into a whole diatribe about how they got there. He didn't go into all the conditions for how they arrived at this certain fire. He simply tells us that they're in the fire and they need immediate rescue. They're caught in the fire. So their condition is more severe than the first. The first, they're doubting. The second, are caught. In some way, the second group has already been sucked into the fire. So they're not just close. They're in it. They're in it. In other words, their condition is potentially deadly if they're not rescued. It's potentially deadly for them if they're not rescued. They may not know that's the case, but we do. And the effect of which false teachers had on them about some kind of contact they had with some kind of false teaching somewhere has gotten them in the place whereby they are convinced. They are convinced that the lie is now true. Maybe, maybe they've fallen prey to some piece of liberal theology. Maybe they believe the lie that salvation is helped along by our works. Maybe they believe that doctrinal lie that many people believe today, that you can somehow, you plus Jesus, get you into the glories of heaven. 
Maybe they believe that people today can choose God if they want to, that they're in some neutral zone and, and they just have to waver. And so you just have to adjust the gospel in some kind of way in order to convince them that your way is the better way. And they're just in this neutral zone waiting to see which way they can go. Maybe they bought off on that lie. Maybe they bought off on the lie that God just simply looks down through time to see who will believe upon Him, and then He elects them for salvation. In other words, that whole God's whole premise for saving is on what man decides rather than on the preordained desire of the divine Godhead to choose to save any. Or maybe, maybe they've been seduced to already believing that women can be pastors in the church. And the lie of egalitarianism today, that rather than all people simply being equal, those who are saved in the church equal before Christ in position in their salvation are not equal by position of their giftedness and leadership in the church. Or maybe like right now, the critical race theory they say, is a needed and necessary tool for rightly understanding what the Bible says and the social ills that plague our world. In other words, you can't understand the Bible on your own. You have to look at it through your ethnicity. You have to look at it through your own critical race theory. And then you can really understand what the Bible says. That's a damning lie. In other words, these are those that Jude is talking about who are already in the fire of apostasy. They're already in the fire and they are being singed by its flames. Jude says the mature Christian is to snatch them from the fire. We are to snatch them from the fire. We need aggressive action. That's what he's saying. You need aggressive action on their behalf to snatch them from the fire because the fire of the false system of belief that they have been caught in has already started its blaze. It is already blazing at full fur and they need to be snatched out of it. What is Jude saying? He's saying to us that when we come across someone who is convinced by some apostate lie, just like the doubting, we don't push it away. We don't shun it. We don't say either, hey, brother, let's just come and have some breakfast. We'll get along. We'll be friends. Hey, let's just all hang out together. No, we go after them in the very serious truth-saturated rescue strategy in hopes that snatching them from the fire, they will come away no longer convinced. This is exactly what Jesus did with the Pharisees, is it not? They were caught in the fire of false religion. Believing that their works was what saved them. Believing that just the Scriptures alone, that reading them is what saved them. And Jesus was confrontative with them. He confronted them in their very words and often very bluntly. I love it when people always say, oh, Jesus was just this nice, genteel love. Oh, As if He never said anything that was very direct, very blunt, very pointed. And yet He says, you hypocrites. 
Jesus was giving them a warning of judgment to come if they refused to turn. That's part of the truth. And so this is a confrontative attempt at rescue. That's what Jude is saying. Save others, snatching them out of the fire. It has to be confrontative. It has to be a confrontation. Why? Because as the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10, we are smashing what? Ideologies. We are smashing systems of thought. We are smashing things that are raised up against the truth. We are smashing the imaginations of men, the false ideas about God and the false ideas about salvation. We are smashing that with the truth. And the only way to do that is to bring the rightly divided truth of God's Word to bear upon them and the ideology that they are caught in. There's no other way to rescue them. And so Jude says, we must reach out to the doubting and to those already convinced and caught in the fire of error. Reach out to the doubting. Save others who are in the fire. And then lastly says, this is the most dangerous. They're all danger. They all have a level of danger, but this is the most danger And I'll refer to them as the fire starters. Save others, snatching them out of the fire, and on some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. These are the fire starters. They are like the ones in the fire. They're like them, but to a whole nother degree, to a a whole nother height. They are ringleaders. And this is the danger. When you deal with ringleaders, you have to be very, very careful. When you deal with those who are perpetuating it, you have to be very careful. Why? Because they are not just convinced of it. They are completely committed to it. They're completely committed. In other words, these are those who have already been so affected by the false teaching that they perpetuate it themselves. As if it is true. Jude says to them, have mercy, but with fear. Have mercy with fear. What are we fearing? Fear of what? Fear of what? Fear of the power and fear of the influence that their error has. That's the fear. Have mercy on them, but fear because that influence is very, very dangerous. In fact, Jude uses some very graphic language here in the original language to describe this kind of person. It's kind of grotesque, and I'm not, I don't want to be overly grotesque this morning, but I, but I want us to understand what he is saying, because he says, fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. The word garment is the part of clothing that was worn against the skin. Oh, Uh, The undergarment. You all know what I'm talking about. It was your undergarments. And the word polluted gets even more graphic. Because some of your translations might say stain. Stain. The word is the word for excrement in the original language. Your stained undergarments. 
And so Jude is saying, look, just as no one, not a thinking person would rightly desire to go and handle someone's soiled undergarments, so too you have to recognize that those who are so poisoned by the filth of false teaching, they have this very filth on them. And therefore, be extremely careful when dealing with them. Fear it. Why? Because you too could be affected in the process. You can get some of that filth on you. Be fearful. And so Jude says, have, we have to, to hate even the garment polluted by the flesh. We know that the real thing is the person. It's not their outer garment. But he's saying, listen, hate everything about it. Hate everything about it for the fear that you might be corrupt. You might get touched by it. It might be there. Be fear that you might be corrupted by the evil. Don't think that you're so sad that, hey, no big deal. I can't be affected by that. No, you, you, you fear it with, with seriousness. Right now I'm, I'm reading a book on this whole movement of critical race theory and intersectionality and this whole social justice nonsense going on in the evangelical church today. A book written by someone who basically brought it into the church with their sociology and all this other kind of nonsense. And I'm reading it almost at a distance. I'm reading it, reading the words, and yet, yet not trying to embrace any of the words because it's so dangerous. In fact, I was saying to one of the guys this morning, I've I've read part of it, and it's just so hard to read because it's so full of nonsense. Fear that you might not be corrupted by the evil. They are so evil that if you get too close, you might get it on you. You see, some people take the word mercy there in Jude, and they turn it into a kind of friendship. Well, and it say, have mercy on them? I mean, twice it says, have mercy on them. I mean, isn't that supposed to be friendship? And so they start hanging out with this kind of person. They begin to engage them in their conversations and give an ear to what they're saying. And you and I need to understand, what we understand about it is that they're fully committed to what they're saying. They're fully in it. They're a fully engaged apostate, a false teacher, and they are the most adept enemy to the truth. Here's how one commentator described it. He described them this way, quote, they are the most highly skilled agents of the kingdom of darkness, and you don't want to get anywhere near their corruption, unquote. Exactly right. You want to get anywhere near it. You, you want to engage it, but almost at a distance. Listen, false doctrine and the wickedness of those who teach it and believe it stains everybody around them. Stains everybody. We cannot forget what Paul said at the end of Romans chapter 16 and verse 17. What did Paul say at the end of chapter 16, verse 17? He said this, I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teaching which you learned and turn away from them. 
Why? Because such men are slaves not of the Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of who? Of the unsuspecting. It goes all the way back to, to the first thing that helps guard us. To the first part of our survival guide, awareness. The unsuspecting gets swept up. They get sucked up by the smooth and flattering speech of those who spew these kinds of things. When Paul says, keep your eye on those. You'll know by their words, oh, it's smooth, it sounds right, but they're causing divisions, dissensions, hindrances to the teaching that you know to be true that you already have learned. Paul says, listen, you got to be careful. Jude says, listen, you got to be careful. You got to be careful. You can't just willy-nilly take everything. We've been warned. We've been warned. Paul says, or Jude says, you've been warned. You've been warned ahead of time. Cultivating your life, these continual spiritual disciplines so that you'll be mature, ready. You'll understand the truth. You're so well versed and saturated in scripture that when the false thing comes along, it rings a bell. Bell goes off, an alarm goes off. You, you may not know everything about it, but you're, you're tilting your head sideways going, wait a minute, that just doesn't sound right. Let me, let me look. Let me go back to the truth. Let me go back to the very thing that I'm supposed to filter everything down through. Let me look at it. Let me study it. Let me find out. Let me be like a Berean. Let me take every word captive, every thought captive to the Word of God. Let me look at that. Let me think about that. Let me understand it because I don't want to just take it and be swept away. And he says, now get on that rescue mission. Help. Help those who are doubting. Be a little more confrontational with those who are in it already. Those who have been sucked in by something or caught in the fire. You need to rescue them out. You snatch them away. By the way, that's the same, same word of the coming of Christ. The snatching away of the church. That's the idea. Snatch them out of there. The rescue operation, the thing that comes to my mind is all these black ops operations with the special forces that go in under the darkness and snatch people out from under the enemy's camp. And yet on others, you have mercy, but with fear. Vengeance is not yours, it's of the Lord. You have mercy, but with fear. Because they're so polluted, it might even get on you. Paul says, you've been warned, or Peter, or Jude says, you've been warned. You've been warned, cultivate spiritual maturity in your life so that you're fully equipped to rescue those affected by apostasy in the church. It's not easy to do. It's not easy to do. It's not always even a comfortable thing to do. But the Lord can keep us from falling. It's exactly why Jude gives us verse 24 and 25 that we're going to get to next time, but I'll just read it. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. You lo- I love that. I mean, we need those words. We need that right now because, man, what we have just heard, what we have just been encouraged to get engaged in is war. And, and any soldier sitting in a foxhole when the bullets start flying, no one willingly and rightfully goes, oh, I love this. I'm going to run. I love it. No, they do it. 
They do it because they know the enemy and they need to vanquish the enemy and have victory. They do it, but man, they are saying, give me strength and that's what we need. Now him who is able to keep you from stumbling. We need that. We need that, man, because the war is on. The war is on. If you don't think the war is on for your mind, even right now today, you are not aware. And you need to be. This whole doctrine of critical race theory and intersectionality and social, the social justice warriors and social justice parade that is going on in our society is a bunch of nonsense. It has nothing to do with Christianity and its infiltration in the church is a heresy. Certainly all of us would care for the poor. Certainly all of us would care for the downtrodden as Christians. That is a virtue of Christians. But I don't need to look through someone's ethnicity to understand the Scriptures. And I don't need to ask for reparations if I've been oppressed. I just need to live in the love of Christ. Because Christ removed the barrier between everybody, Ephesians tells us. We are one in Christ. We are not to look any color of each other's skin. We are to look at the contents of their heart before God. Not their character as a social reality. No, who they are before God. And we are to live in love for one another because of who we are in Christ. It's coming. It's coming, beloved. So that we, we are to be fully equipped to rescue. Not easy, but the Lord can keep us from falling. We'll fully unpack that next time. See, we have one more week. One more week. I think. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for these reminders to us of this warfare that we're in. We know we are ill-equipped in and of ourselves to do anything. And we know that Satan would love for the church to just be non-existent. We see pastors being arrested around the globe. Even reading a report in Finland where the police arrested a pastor who was preaching. It's happening around the world. It's happening close to home. Soon it will probably happen here. Lord, we want to be equipped if and when that happens, and we want to confront the lies with truth. So help us to speak truth in love. Help us to not cower from confrontation when it happens. Help us even go and, and pursue those who are doubting, those who are caught, and even speak truth with severity to those who are perpetuating it. Lord, thank you for your servant Jude who has exhorted us. Help us by the power of your spirit to be fully equipped with your armor that we might indeed encourage the doubting, save those caught, and expose those who are perpetuating lies. All for your glory and all in the name of our Savior Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.